On today's show, we'll be joined by the voice of your Houston Rockets, Craig Ackerman, to discuss expectations for the Houston Rockets going into this season. How big of a leap can we expect from Jalen Green in year two? Could Kevin Porter Jr. be in the discussion for most improved player of the year? And Jabari Smith Jr., how impressive has he been through training camp and the preseason opener? All of that and much, much more coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. You get somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come, come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays, host of the State of the Rockets podcast, as well as Rockets Watch. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. We are free and available on every podcast platform, including YouTube. Joining us now is the TV voice for your Houston Rockets, none other than, of course, the amazing Craig Ackerman. Craig, it's always a great pleasure to have you on the program, man. Well, it's a great pleasure to be with you, and thanks for having me as always. Well, I'll tell you what, Craig, this is this is exciting times to be a Rockets fan because there, you know, there's a lot of optimism. We've seen it feels like we've seen so much in, in in a very little amount of time, just, you know, little clips here and there from training camp. We had the season opener just a few days ago. There's a lot of excitement surrounding this team. And the guy that I want to start with here, though, it, it has to be Jalen Green, right? And to you, how much of a leap are you kind of expecting or, you know, optimistically hoping that we see Jalen Green take here in year two? Well, if there is simply just a continuation, right, of what he did from February 1st onward at the end of last season into this entire season, and that's what he is consistently from start to finish, then I would consider that a pretty darn good step uh, in the right direction. Uh, I've said this before. I'll say it again. Um, The most important thing for this organization at this point uh, in terms of the most important piece that they need to get themselves back to contention is that they need they either need one of the players who are currently on this roster or they need to continue to hopefully perhaps draft one in future drafts that that can become your generational talent and right now to me of all the players on this roster the one guy who would fit that bill would be Jalen Green and so I think if he if there's a continuation continuation of what he did last season the last couple months of the year where he was just flat out spectacular then um Frankly, I think everything else will fall into place. So I, I think he's the most important player on this team right now for that reason. Yeah, he was, I mean, absolutely sensational to close out last season. And I, and I think that, that right, Craig, was kind of like that glimpse into, well, you know, you, he had some of the ups and downs to start the season. Then he, you saw him, right? He started to piece it together, started to figure out how to add certain things to his game. You really, I feel like maybe this term is overused, but the game really did kind of start to slow down for him as the season went along. And then you got that explosion at the end and you were like, oh, oh, this is the glimpse into like potential future superstardom for Jalen Green, like the Jalen Green that, you know, somewhere down the line, four or five, six years from now might be, you know, leading the NBA in points per game, you know, and an alpha on a championship caliber team, right? 
Oh, no question. I mean, what he averaged, I'm looking at the numbers here, 21 a game, shot almost 40% from three over a 32 game span, which is a pretty good chunk of the season uh, to put up those kinds of numbers for uh, a 19 year old. He proved that he was a three level scorer. Um, he mentioned that, you know, I think somebody asked him last year, you know, what, what's changed? He was like, well, I, I, I'm a bucket, right? I think that was, yeah. I'm paraphrasing, excuse me, paraphrasing, but it was something like that. Right. And he was a bucket uh, at the end of the season and he was absolutely just, he was tremendous. He was explosive. He was exciting. Again, what, what we saw from him in those last 30 plus games of the season were the expectations that were placed on him when he was taken second overall. Is, is there one specific element of his game that you're hoping to see that he kind of channels some of his focus into to improve kind of an area from from last season where you thought, man, if, if he gets this one part of his game figured out, then he's going to be, you know, a terror, uh, you know, upon the league? Um, I just think his ability to continue to play downhill and attack um, the rim. And, I, I, and frankly, I think everything that the Rockets are going to do offensively is going to be designed first and foremost to get him and Kevin space to play downhill attack and score um especially i mean J both those guys are incredible athletes jalen is such an explosive athlete um that's the right thing to do i just more um i you know look last year he really struggled with a shot at the start of the season but everybody was like all the coaches were like we're not worried about it we're not worried about it and they did work tirelessly with him and he put in a ton of work and obviously reaped the rewards from that primarily with the quickness of his release is what he and John Lucas, I mean, every time they were at practice, when they were basically kind of done with the primary practice, they, they did it some beforehand, but then afterwards it was like one, two, one, two, one, two. And then it was like one, 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 just to quicken his release. And that sort of working in that muscle memory paid dividends as the season um, wore along. So, uh, but just, just his ability to continue to put pressure on opposing defenses, attacking the basket, to me is is the area I would like to seek that that would continue with him. And obviously he and everybody else needs to continue to improve um, defensively. I think the Rockets schemes this year are going to be a bit different. And if you want to get into that, we can we can discuss that a little bit moving forward as well. But none of that really matters what you do on the backside. If you're a revolving door on the front side, your point of attack defense with the guards, namely Jalen and Kevin Porter Jr. That has to get better. It has to be more consistent. They have to be better at stopping dribble penetration. And I think if they do, ultimately everything else sort of falls in line on that end of the floor as well. And it sounds like the mentality has definitely shifted maybe a bit towards, you know, guys really kind of buying into that defensive side of the ball, wanting to put, you know, the the right pieces together to be a good defensive team. Kind of, again, a new defensive identity, if you will, kind of being cultivated by this young group of guys. But the other part of this backcourt equation, Craig, is Kevin Porter Jr. You just talked about for a moment there, and it feels like everything that we've heard out of Rockets training camp from the coaching to from the coaches to the other players, you know, it seems like this year there's a very clear set identity. And even assistant coach John Lucas was just talking about it at practice the other day saying Jalen and Kevin are our primaries. They're our primary guys. And so to, you know, what does, and I think this has been kind of the big talking point all season is, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. is future with the team, that kind of thing. What does KPJ need to do this year to really cement himself as, you know, an, an NBA caliber point guard? Is there, is there anything that can be quantified to walk away and feel, you know what? Yeah, I feel really good about Kevin Porter Jr. as the point guard of this team. Uh, it just needs consistency. He's got to keep turnover numbers down. I, look, I, I think he's a terrific passer. I mean, we saw some terrific passes in that San Antonio game 
um, the other night, a very unselfish player. Um, but his it just comes down to consistency, I think, with him, and particularly consistency with you know limiting uh, turnovers at two of them in 20 minutes uh, in the preseason uh, opener. But and I, I've gone on record saying this um, over the last month or so, and I've been on various podcasts, and I'll, I'll say it again. I think Kevin's going to have. Um, a big season. I mean, kind of lost in what Jalen Green did at the end of last season was what Kevin did. And I think this 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 hierarchy is very important to not only those two guys, but generally speaking, when it comes to the sport of basketball, there needs to be some sort of understanding, right, of who's where scoring options are primarily going to come from. What roles do certain people have. And I think at the start of last season, part of some of those struggles, particularly for Jalen, was th- that really wasn't necessarily there. It became that way as the se- it became more of that as the season has gone along. And it's definitely become that since the Christian um, Wood trade. I think those two guys understand um, where they stand. Uh, and I'm sure they're very happy with that. That's been a focus of the coaches. Their teammates understand where they fit in that sort of hierarchy of who's going to get the vast majority of the shots, who technically is going to be that focal point of our offense. And that's that's a good thing because I think those two guys, Jalen and Kevin, are both tremendously talented offensive players. And if the Rockets are going to continue to play to their strengths, then that should be a way that they should continue to play and transition. Again, a theme of camp. Uh, that's how they want to play. I, I think some of these these new the, the new interpretations of these take fouls in transition, I think will help uh, one of the most athletic teams in the league get out and run even more, which is a good thing. So it's playing to those guys' strengths. I think it is a plus that I think things have are, are, are structured a little bit better in that regard with this group this season than they were last year. Yeah, having that kind of clearly defined pecking order is going to do yes. wonders for just understanding for every hey, team. this is my yeah, for for every team, but specifically right for a young team to just hey, I understand, you know, this is where I'm at, you know, Jalen maybe earlier in the year, right, not wanting to step on anybody's toes, trying to find himself, you know, obviously getting up to the speed of the NBA game, all of that. But now just coming into year 2, hey, I know that I'm the guy for this Rockets team and teams are going to be scheming and game planning against him on a nightly basis and Given his talent level, it's going to be really impressive to watch the different ways that he overcomes that just from sheer talent alone, as well as the other pieces that the Rockets have put in place, you know, having, you know, guys alongside him to overcome those obstacles, things that Steven Silas does to get creative with his offense to open things up for Jalen Green. But We've talked about the backcourt. I want to talk a little bit about the frontcourt. Jabari Smith Jr. and Alperin Shingun. We're going to get there in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your football betting info and odds this season. Find the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, in-depth articles, and analysis on every single game that you can get your hands on. As always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every single sport out there. They've got you covered for MLB postseason. NBA is right around the corner. They've got you for all your fighting odds, UFC, MMA, boxing, you name it. They've got you covered over at BetOnline right now. You can take a look at who the odds-on favorites are for the NBA Most Improved Player of the Year award. Right now, Anthony Edwards leading the pack at plus 800. Then a couple spots you know, in a row, we got Zion Williamson plus 1,200. Tyrese Halliburton at plus 1,400. Jalen Brunson also at plus 1,400. Much, much further down the list, we got Jalen Green at plus 4,000. And then Kevin Porter Jr. at plus 5,000. Hey, 
If KPJ is in the running for most improved player of the year, I mean, whew, that, that could be some easy money to make over at Bet Online. So for all of that and more odds, head over to Bet Online to check out all the trends and action available to you. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, Craig, as exciting as the backcourt is for this Houston Rockets team, and there's going to be some incredibly exciting moments, some, you know, top 10 highlight reel performances from both Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. I, I think I might be most excited to just see how Jabari Smith Jr. plays in the NBA, the impact that he has on both sides of the floor. I know we've only had the one preseason game so far, but just give me your early impressions about what you've seen out of him through through camp, through that first preseason game, and just how he impacts the game on both sides. Well, I'll go back to the watching them. I watched them work out a couple of times before they went to Vegas um, for summer league. And, um, you know, all, all the stuff you heard about him, you know, hard, much like when Jalen Green came into the league, just have a high – High work, uh, very high uh, motor work ethic, um, very communicative on the floor, um, very good defensive player. He's obviously very long, has very good defensive instincts. Um, look, he struggled with the shot in the summer league, and I think the coaches still said very similar as they did to Jalen Green a year ago. Don't worry about the shot. It'll come. Don't worry about the shot. It'll come. Obviously, he shot it tremendously as well, very well against the, the San Antonio Spurs. But just defensively, he's just so versatile. Um, so long, great defensive instincts. Um, and part of what I kind of alluded to earlier with the Rockets defensive schemes this year, I mean, look, if you look at the league in general, obviously we're in the pace and space, the three-point era of NBA basketball. If you look at the league over the last three, four, maybe five years, the trends that ultimately define who the best defensive teams in the league are, uh, to me, at least one thing that really stands out to me is that those teams that are at the upper echelon defensively are conceding threes now. Like they're look at Mil- we'll just take the Milwaukee's and the Miami's of the world, right? Look how many threes they willingly allow, like the most in the league. Uh, why? Because they, what they've determined is that it's more important for them to sort of surround and pack the paint and not allow teams to get to the rim because what's What's a better shot than a three? What's a more efficient shot than a three? Well, something in and around the basket. Now, in the case of Milwaukee and in Miami, they have a lot of defensive-minded personnel, namely Brooke Lopez is a mountain. And then you got Giannis, who can basically defend one-third of the floor on his own. So it makes that a little bit easier for them. But the the, the better teams in the league, I mean, look, even Golden State was very good at protecting the rim, even though they didn't have an explosive big man in the middle. They had Kevon Looney, very good positional defender. And so the Rockets are going to do this this season, which they can because the luxury of having Jabari Smith is that they can sag off, right? Have Jabari. And what what you need to kind of watch out when the Rockets play is watch when Jabari kind of plays off a little bit and is in and around the free throw area and extends those go-go gadget arms of his, right? He can basically cover the entire paint And so that's a big focal point of the defense. And and that's what his focus is. Look, he had a lot of shots. He scored very well against San Antonio. But his main job this year, at least to start, is going to spearhead this Rockets defense. And you're going to see a lot of that, you know, him covering a lot of space, his ability to switch. And then what they want to do is, because they're so young and athletic, is that they want their – after they pack the paint and they force drives and kicks, they want their athletes to sprint out and contest 
threes hard, not inching them, but they want them to contest. And if the other team happens to pull up and dribble underneath and take a long two, then so be it. But they now have some additional personnel on this team this year that they did not have last year that will allow them to get to do that a little bit more this year. Now, ultimately, how good will they be because they're still young and experienced at the defensive end of the floor? We'll find out, but that's the plan. Man, and I, yeah, I, I think too, just just when you look at, you know, the front court from last year to this year, right? You had Christian Wood manning the five, Jay Sean Tate manning the four, which I love Jay Sean Tate. He's an incredible player. He's so versatile, but playing him at the four is, is almost like playing him out of position. He's more of a three, six, four. You know, you're giving up a little bit of size when you do that, even though he can play up defensively. So just by the sheer fact of adding, again, Jabari Smith at six foot 10, six foot 11, whatever he's listed at now, still growing, might be seven foot by the time we hit the trade deadline line who knows um and then Alper and Shingun is your new starting five you have a lot more bulk in that front court and I think they're going to be able to just close out defensive possessions stronger by a sheer fact of you know securing defensive rebounds that kind of thing and I am really excited as you alluded to right the idea that they're just going to get out and run man and it, th that starts with being able to get in transition and have those opportunities for the athletes to run starts with playing good defense closing out those possessions strong and like Jay Sean Tate said I mean they're going to have guys right their 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 first unit set of guys they're going to be running out of the gym and then when you think you're nice and tired from that they're going to have a second unit of guys ready to check in and keep running you right out of the gym like I loved his quote for that at, at media day um and yeah it's just crazy to look at Jabari and see him the way that he like spreads out on the floor and and occupies so much space and I do think that is kind of game changing and you talked about right his you know the way that he's going to kind of you know his bread and butter is going to be defensively this year right yeah, his shot's going to come and go as a, as a rookie I mean they're going to be nights where he I mean look there are nights where everybody shoots it poorly but yeah. there'll, there'll be nights I think where where he struggles offensively as he kind of gets up to speed but I, I don't think that that's they're going to ask him to defend. That's going to be a primary goal, defend and rebound, lean on that aspect of your game. And I think he's very well suited to kind of literally hit the floor running at that end, at, at, at that end of the court, at that end of the court, much like we saw with, with Evan Mobley last year with, um, with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And he just, he sounds like he's just a sponge trying to absorb and learn so much. Jay Sean Tate just talked about the fact that, you know, at, at camp, Jabari is constantly asking him questions about schemes and positioning and where to be and how to do X, Y, Z. And it, it really is refreshing to hear that, you know, he is somebody who is taking defense, you know, so seriously. And then even Steven Silas talked about the fact that Jabari is so impactful on that end that it elevates the entire team, right? That he's so vocal, so impactful that him just being on the floor makes everybody else a better defender because of how much, I guess, how much pride he takes in the defensive side of the basketball. No question about it. And look, it's no secret. You know it. I know it. They know it. The coaches know it. The front office knows it. Anybody who pays any lick of attention to this team knows it. If there's one area they got to get better at from last season to this season, this defense, that was the, that was the primary focus during training camp. It will continue to be a focus this season. They've got to get better defending because again, once they do, as you mentioned, they have the ability and the athletes to just, once they defend and secure the defensive rebound, which is obviously an important piece to that. They have, they have the athletes and the types of players who once they push pace and get out in the open floor, they're going to be tough tough to stop very tough now 
the other guy in the Rockets front court. I say the other guy, like I'm just like throwing him in there, but Al P right. He was, he had some incredible moments last season, some very impressive flashes. He's now stepping into the starting five spot for this Houston Rockets team. And Craig, is it crazy to think that on a team that features guys that are as, you know, insanely talented as Jalen green and Kevin Porter jr. Jabari Smith, although, you know, it's his rookie year, but you know, between the back, you know, the backcourt and now Al P it's, I feel like he might actually be the guy poised to take the biggest leap of kind of that big three, if you will, that are returning from last season for the Rockets, just because when you looked at like his numbers last season, you started looking at like the per 36 numbers. You're like, this kid is insane. Like his numbers could be off the charts if he could just get, you know, 28, 30, so minute, 30 or so minutes a night. He's, he's a special talent. I mean, I mean, what, a, I mean, and he's such an incredible passer. So gifted. We saw that last year. I mean, some of the best highlights, last season from this team were off passes. I, I think somebody cl- somebody claimed that he is, and I, I didn't really have a way to like contest this, that he's now the second best passing big in the NBA. Like, and that's just, that's just, it's I'd already to, happened. I'd have to think about that for, obviously the number one passing big yes. is, 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 is the big guy in Denver, but he's, he's a tremendously gifted passer. He should be a hub. He should be a focal point. Um, of where things sort of begin with this team because you can give him the ball and as long as you play off of him correctly, they're going to get quality looks. Now, look, he's got to stay out of foul trouble. There is going to be another steep step in that direction for him, especially when he has to start matching up, um, you know, um, with with Jokic and Embiid and some of these top top echelon centers, which most players in the league have a real tough time dealing with anyway, but that him going toe to toe with them for significant minutes, there will be a bit of a learning curve um, there, but he will be a focal point. You saw it the game against San Antonio. Um, they're going to run a lot of their offense through him as they should, um, because he just seems to make the right read, the right play. I mean, he had a handful of turnovers. I mean, that's going to happen from time to time, but I, I he's, He's so much fun to watch. He's got such an old school brand of post game combined with some crazy new school game of passing ability where like, like he's so fundamentally sound with his back to the basket, but he's willing to take so many crazy risks with his passes that typically work. Um, He's just, he's just so fun. He's just so fun to watch play basketball. Is it, it, it's almost like he's, it, it reminds me, and maybe I'm completely off base here, but his play style almost reminds me a little bit of like Manu Ginobili, like just kind of erratic with it a little bit, like does kind of pushes the envelope in certain regards. Obviously, you know, Manu perimeter player, Alpi big man, but like just the way that they do certain things on the floor, right? And try certain things. And you're kind of just like, your jaw just kind of drops watching some of the stuff that they do out there. Yeah, he's, he's not afraid to make a mistake, right? I mean, he's just, he's just not, he's willing to kind of do anything and everything that they can to kind of create scoring opportunities for his teammates. And as teammates recognize that again, as long as you move and cut and find yourself an open space, if there is a pass to be made more than likely he is going to make it. Definitely not a guy lacking for confidence whatsoever. And I think my new favorite word to use, uh, rather than just saying he seems comfortable out there, I'm going to start saying he seems comfy out there because whenever Al P is asked about something, he doesn't go with the full word comfortable. He goes with comfy. I'm comfy doing this. I'm comfy doing that. So comfortable word comfy. There we go. I love it. I love it. I love it. Coming up, we're going to talk a little bit about 
a, a really impressive marquee game that just took place between the G League Ignite and I'm blanking on the French team, but basically Scoot Henderson We're versus Victor Wimbanyama. Right? There we go. All right, that's the name of the team. I do, shows you how much prep prep work I did. But <laughs> no, because I mean the, the whole team is basically Wimbanyama. We're just going to go with that. But Scoot Henderson versus Victor Wimbanyama, two guys who are going to be at the top of this next year's draft. We're going to talk about those guys coming up in just one moment. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, Craig, this game, first off, the NBA did a fantastic job like advertising this game, you know, kind of marketing this game. And this is really the first time, I think in maybe history, that they've been able to do something like this where you have two top tier prospects, the clear one and two for this next year's NBA draft and be able to kind of market them in a, in an exhibition style event, because neither of them are college kids. Right. You've got Wimbenyama, you know, overseas prospect, international prospect. And then you've got Scoot Henderson playing for the G league ignite. So they were able to facilitate this back-to-back set of exhibition games. And at the time that we're recording this uh, on a Wednesday evening, we've only, we've only seen the first of these two exhibition games should be in store for a lot more entertainment in game number two, because I'll tell you what, man, coming into this game, Wimbenyama, the clear number one choice, Scoot Henderson, the clear number two, would have probably been consensus number one almost any other year in any other draft. He took it to Wimbenyama in this game, was fearless, and he basically went out there to make a statement like, hey, he might be the clear number one guy, but I have a reason to be number one possibly, like trying to kind of prove a point out there, if you will. Whatever it is, those two guys have it. Um, <laughs> I, I think there's no question that those two those two have the makings of generational talents. Um, there's no question about it. I mean, they're just they were incredible. I mean, and, and and to do it to be that young and kind of have that kind of focus on the game, and for both players to show out in the ways um, they that they did, just. It, those guys are studs. I mean, absolute studs. I mean, uh, Scoot's game is so mature. The the amount of moves um, that he has, his bag is very large, um, and he's fearless. Uh, obviously, Wembenyama um, with ridiculous height and length and basketball skills. Um, a a flawless, smooth, effortless shooting stroke. Um, his ability to, to to rebound and defend the rim. See, seeing a seven four guy move that fluidly on the floor, he moves like a wing. Like he, and, and I think that's why I I've kind of comped him to like if you were to go to just you know have Kevin Durant and Rudy Gobert do like the fusion dance, and then that's what you get. Like that's like a little bit t- like a little taller Kevin Durant. Like that Durant. Forget all this stuff where Durant's six ten. Every time I look at him, I think he's seven <laughs> one. To be honest with you, when you see him standing next to next uh, the other seven footers, as far as I'm concerned, he's at least seven feet tall. But yes, it's like he's a little bit taller version of Kevin Durant, and I don't think Durant was that polished at that age either. He's polished. So is Scoot Henderson. These guys are really, really good. The, the thing about Scoot, too, and, and uh, you know, it feels like he's got, he's got this, you know, such he's such an insane athlete that I think it almost maybe takes away from his overall basketball skills a little bit. Like people, you know, throw want to throw like, you know, the Westbrook, Derrick Rose comps out there. And, you know, I, I see those. 
I see glimpses of that and I, you know, in watching him play, but he also just has a really great feel for the game. Like his, his basketball IQ instincts, some of the little passes that he was making, like nobody would have blamed him. And he still went out there and got his buckets and did his, did his work, but nobody would have blamed him for just tunnel visioning and being like, no, I've got to go out there and like prove like I'm the number one guy. Like I've got to go out there and drop 40 plus do whatever I need to do. But he was still out there making the correct breeds, making the right passes, the right plays, setting up his teammates, doing all the little stuff that leads to winning basketball. And to me, I think that's the crazy thing is he's got this insane athleticism, this insane, you know, explosiveness to his game that almost masks just how skilled he is as a player as well, which is so hard to find is you can find an insane athlete or you can find a really, really, really skilled player. It's really rare when you get both of those in one package. That's why I think these two guys are generational talents. I mean, I, I mean, they're, they're so good. I mean, again, they're just the, just generally speaking, their overall just maturity as as people, uh, their maturity um, as players, again, this the they they have very polished games at very young ages, um, and whoever ends up getting either one of them in the upcoming draft, um, they're not going to regret it. And hey, I mean, maybe they might be in Houston. We'll see. I mean, it's possible. One... It, we'll, it's... We'll, we'll see. I mean, although again, I, I'd said this before too in recent months, the Rockets' first goal is to not be the worst team in the league this year. That sounds yeah. condescending, um, but considering they have been the worst team in the league the previous two years, I think that is obviously um, a, something they want to avoid this year. And quite honestly, based on what we've seen in training camp, but through one preseason game, um, they're not going to, I don't think they're going to be the worst team in the league. Perhaps I think they just played the team that might end up being record wise, the worst team uh, in the league. And I, but, but it's all, again, it's a, there's too many, there's too many quality players on this team this season there's just too much young talent on this team um they're they're definitely in a different stage of this rebuild this year than they were even 12 months ago and it's i think it's very very obvious yeah they'll 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 probably have an outside shot but not nearly the uh the shot that they would have had at i you know at either of those two guys these last two years with the worst record of the nba and that's what we want to see we want to see this team improve yes. and start to kind of you know amass some wins and and start pushing things in the right direction taking those those steps towards you know being a competitive team again that's part of the exciting part of watching you know these young guys grow and blossom and flourish is you know getting to see them piece together some wins, right? And, 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 you know, have those victory moments of, yeah, we, you know, we were the underdog team, but we knocked off like one of the top tier playoff competitors or something as this season progresses. So that's, that's to me, one of the fun parts of watching this, this group of guys grow and develop with one another. But Craig, you know, there have been a lot of changes with this Rockets roster, a lot of new faces, a lot of new additions. And, not the only additions to this Rockets roster. We have a new face as part of the broadcast team. Now, I, it, you know, with a heavy heart, we, I'm sure you're going to miss her. Ryan's going to miss her. I'm going to miss her. So many people are going to miss Kaylee Griffin. She was fantastic in her time here in Houston. An absolute professional. Did a, did a wonderful job on the broadcast. But we're adding... Vanessa Richardson to the team. What, like, how ready are you to get back in the booth and, and with a new addition? Because you had Ryan Hollins in his rookie year last year. Now you've got Vanessa in her rookie year this year to kind of bring them along, show her the ropes, you know, get her up to speed, all that good stuff. And I remain the Eric Gordon of the group, right? Um, <laughs> the grizzled veteran. <laughs> the grizzled veteran. Um, no, I'm excited about it. Like, first and foremost, um, congratulations to Kaylee. She was terrific in her role. Um, 
Uh, but she had got an expanded opportunity to be a pre-half and post-game host with the Cavaliers. Obviously, there's also a little bit of a of, of the component there where it just so happened to be she could be in the same city as her fiance. So both professionally and personally, it really worked out for her. And we wish her all the best. And we are going to miss her tremendously. She had been terrific. And any anything and everything you asked her to do over the last three years, she excelled at. And uh, I think she's a terrific talent. And uh, we are going to miss her. And the Cavs got a good one. But this this was a terrific opportunity for her. But yeah, well, uh, look at, looking forward to to welcoming Vanessa. Obviously, she's been around the market before. Um, you know, she's uh, from Indiana. So uh, basketball sort of at the, the core of who she is um as a sports fan but uh, looking to looking to work her in and and get her in on the show and running and i'm excited man um uh you know it, it was weird it was weird having a game and not doing it um and i feel so, like there's always like one or two of those every year like uh, where we, there's we just like two preseason games locally so there's always a couple of them that we don't necessarily uh do now where i think the, the plan again is to still stream the as far as I'm aware, stream the Indiana game uh, with Ryan and I, as far as I'm aware, um, it won't be sort of your prototypical type of television broadcast, uh, but it will. It, as far as I'm aware, it should be Ryan and I. But it's always weird when you don't work, although when the team gets really good again, inevitably, there will be some games that you won't work because then you'll start being you'll start getting some exclusivity from the networks and you won't you have to sit some of those games out. But I, I like the fact that. You know, last year was my first full season in TV. We got to do them all. Uh, we're going to have a chance to do them all again um, this season. I'm I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm super excited. I've been working on my stuff now to get ready for the season for well over a month. I'm very much looking forward to the to the game uh, on Friday against Toronto. Obviously, you never know who may or may not play, but but that's going to be um, a significant step up theoretically in the level of competition the Rockets are going to face on Friday than they did with the version of the Spurs that they saw this past Sunday. So I'm ready to get back at it, kind of shake those, those cobwebs off a little bit. It's weird, you know, because you don't, at least for me, it is, you, you, I live kind of like two separate lives, right? You know, you know my, my in-season life and my off-season life. And once you kind of get into the season, you get into a rhythm and you just, you're kind of used to how all things that all that works. And then the season ends and it's just so weird because it completely goes away. And then you kind of get into uh, off-season mode where you're kind of semi-retired. And then the season comes and it's like, do I remember how to do this? And so that first broadcast, especially the first quarter, is always like, do I know what I'm doing? Do I can I can I can I do this again? Did I did I forget how to broadcast? Um, so um, there'll be some nervous energy going into the first one on Friday, but I'm ready to go. Do you ever, I mean, especially when it's, the, you know, the first game back or anything, do you do like extensive, like extra prep work or anything? Like, do you run through like a previous broadcast and like kind of get, you know, work those muscles a little bit back into shape? <laughs> to, to, I'm just picturing you like in a dark room with like an old game and you're just like, all right, Jalen Green from the top of the key drives it in, like just, you know, going through old play by play um, just to like, you know, flesh it out. Uh, at this stage of my career, no, uh, I, I don't do any sort of uh, personal mock broadcast to get myself um ready um but again i mean i just i, I go through i mean I, I have to rebuild my rockets boards and obviously start building opponents boards and everything like that i'm trying to make sure that i kind of understand some of the new points of emphasis and the rules changes that the league uh has put forth over the course of the offseason that's always a little bit strange at first because some there's so many changes sometimes and it's kind of you're always trying to concentrate on what you're doing and then to also be able to simultaneously kind of remember 
all the various nuances uh, that the sport has, and it has quite a bit. Um, I think there's quite honestly too much, in my opinion, for the referees to kind of keep juggling in their brain simultaneously while also watching really incredible, gigantic people in a confined space move around and prim- concentrate on that while remembering all these little um, sort of nuances, as I mentioned, to, to, to rules and points of emphasis and all that. But, um, but yeah, I, I'm ready to go. I mean, like it's, it's, it's the preseason. It won't be anything like a regular season game, but uh, yeah, I am very much ready to get back to work. I, uh, I definitely hope that Vanessa has some uh, competitiveness in her because one of the best parts of the broadcast last season was watching and listening to you, Ryan and Kaylee, get a little competitive with one another. You had the, you guys had the uh, the poll thing going was, throughout yeah, the was, season, was, keeping track of uh, who was winning. Because part, part of this job is to sort of keep yourself interested as well. And, and I'm sure you experienced some of that too when you're doing this over and over and over again. Part of it is sort of keeping yourself fresh and interested in it as well so you can keep your energy up. And so that was something that we kind of uh, brought in last year, halfway through. I think it was kind of my idea. I don't know if it worked or not. I don't know if we'll continue to do it moving uh, moving forward. Um, but yeah, just to kind of maybe kind of helped uh, spruce up some of those uh, those poll questions to have some um, interior competition between uh, the three of us. I don't remember honestly what we what the bet was, but whatever it was, it wasn't paid off anyway. So you know. All right. Well, I'll, I'll leave you with one suggestion. How's this, Craig? Okay, one sure. of the early one of the early poll questions that we get for the season should be who is going to win the most poll questions this season. And then Rockets fans can come back and see. All right. Well, did we vote Craig, Ryan or, or Vanessa? Like that's going to that. I'm just I'm giving you my two cents. I, I feel say, like that'd be I a fun little know, mini game sure to follow. We're going to bring that back this year. I mean, it, frankly, it's not like anything that I was told. I just started doing it on my own. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see, maybe, maybe not necessarily, uh, for the preseason is again, as we kind of get back and get our, get our feet wet. I mean, look, I mean, you're working with getting it, getting into mid season form. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I gotta, you know, you don't want to use all of your good material, uh, in the preseason because it's, it's, uh, it's just, uh, it's just the preseason, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And I think these, these next two Preseason games in particular, again, we have no idea who Toronto and Miami will play, but I, I think this will be a significant step up in the level of competition. And again, just another step in, in the building um, of this team. And, you know, we I know we're about to wrap it up here. We went through an entire podcast of we didn't even discuss like we still like there's still so many playable players. And I know you've covered this and I've covered this. And to me, I still think that's probably outside of. Jalen Green really taking that next step to becoming a foundational piece. That's the most interesting thing to to watch, like who exactly is going to be part of the rotation? How exactly, how deep is that rotation going to be? Um, Yeah, it's it's going to be fascinating. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. And we're excited to have you back on the airwaves. You and Ryan do a fantastic job Thank together. You. Obviously, adding Vanessa to that uh, to, to to what you guys already do is, I'm sure, going to be fantastic. So we're excited to have you guys back on our TV screens. But Craig, I do appreciate you taking the time to be here with us today. Well, thank you very much, very much. I look forward to seeing you again out at uh, Toyota Center. It was fun. Thanks, man.
And that's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, appreciate you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. We're also on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.